Wandering Berry Center number eight, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Yep. Or hitting play. It's not really tuning in anymore. No. I do school. like that those terms persist, right? You know, uh, I'm they probably just kind of have their their root right in kinda, everybody's kind of like how the uh, kind of like how the the floppy disk is still the save icon. Yeah, for, that's for a, a good. That was a very good example. You're right. <laughs> I like that. I like that we don't just throw that stuff out. And the and the Manila folder, people still Ooh. use those, I guess. But yeah, similar idea, I guess. Maybe that's stretching it. Okay, so today we're going to do something a tad bit different. Uh, we're going to pick up our Formula E discussion. Uh, the third race happened not this weekend, past weekend, but the one before. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about an experience both Alex and I had. I should say also, I'm your host, Brian. <laughs> Over there's Alex. Yep. Uh, we both had our first float tank experience this past, well, me this past weekend. Alex, uh, one weekend before. Yep, that's right. Mostly due to scheduling on my part. So we're going to talk about that. Um, and just, uh, I thought maybe talk through the first experience and what you could expect if anybody's sort of thinking about doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And is maybe a little... kind of talk about it with an open mind and is what it is. Right. So let's uh, let's get right into Formula E. All right, definitely. Uh, They were in Marrakesh. Yep. And right off the bat, one of the coolest things I thought about that whole thing was they were using a racetrack that was half a racetrack, half a street course. That was super cool. It was a really interesting layout. It was. Um, Um, But yeah, the fact that it was kind of a blend between between the two, because I think, I mean, I'm no expert in this, but they've all been street circuits up until this point, right? Correct. That's my understanding. Yep. Yeah. Or at least that's the trend, right? They do that most of the time. Maybe there's been some other exceptions, but so definitely yeah, that's super cool. That was definitely, uh, yeah, I like that a lot, and I imagine the drivers did too. Because while street courses can be fun, there's a lot to be said for some of the openness of a proper racetrack, right? Right, right. There was one turn, and I don't remember the number, but um, I think it was coming off not the longest straight, but a, a rather good straight away and it was a more than a 90 degree turn into a um kind of a big radius right hander so you would come down the straight you'd make a really hard left that was more than 90 degrees into a kind of sweeping right turn i thought that was pretty interesting i think that part was definitely part of the street um circuit right um but yeah pretty cool layout it was um so I, I thought I was thinking about I don't I don't know if we should go through necessarily I should say if you're interested in Formula E and uh, you know you don't want to or you want to find out more uh, we've been using the subreddit so Reddit.com/slash what is that should have had it ready I guess just Formula E yeah Reddit.com/slash R/slash Formula E because mm-hmm. um, I don't think on this podcast at least we need to go through all the different drivers and whatnot. No, I think no, take not necessarily. Yeah, but just some impressions from um, the race and what you thought, and yeah. Um, so right away, who's currently in the lead? <laughs> yeah, 
right away um, on that feed there, they made sure that you knew, or maybe not quite that aggressively, but uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was, <laughs> was in the stands. Did you see you know, that? Yeah, I did. With an early, you know, racing series like this that's really trying hard to get on its feet and everything, I feel like anything like that, they're just going to be all over it. Like, right. if he was at a Formula One race, would they point it out? Uh, when Keanu Reeves goes to MotoGP, uh, and Brad Pitt also goes to MotoGP, Michael okay. Jordan as well, um, you'll you'll catch basically what you saw in Formula E. They won't like talk about him all the time, but they'll yeah, they'll do yeah. a quick they'll do a quick shot. What about Formula One though? Like prestigious? Um, not that it is. Quite you know, I, I couldn't really comment on that. I'm yeah. not. I'm not. Uh... Well, either way, I feel like they could use any kind of publicity like that to just right. be like, hey, look who's up. Also coming to watch this race. Yeah, and I mean, just you, as a you should as a, too. <laughs> as a race fan in general, I was pumped to see that. Just from yeah, a, yeah, yeah. No, they they showed the crowd a couple times while I was watching. They looked like they were having a good time. Um. So right as the race started going, my and I think this every time. <laughs> I know what you can say. Is the first turn in any motorsport event ever not stressful? This one was actually. Pretty good, all things considered. They did but make it through. It's always like, and anytime I watch one, whether it's Formula E or whatever, I'm always like gripping my chair for that first turn because it's so congested, and you expect somebody to to crash or wipe out or whatever. And a lot of these circuits, especially with the Formula style cars, there's no room for more than one and like four fifths of a car right that <laughs> that last fifth of the That's car you're like, like yeah you're like there's no way they're gonna make it and yeah sometimes. a lot of times they don't and even like the announcers know it you can they were screaming about the fact that everybody made it through <laughs> without like they were super pumped that you know yeah so. speaking of announcers real quick uh did yep. you notice uh so they had the american guy bob farsha Okay. Who, I didn't know who was announcing specifically, but... Well, Bob Varsha started the stream that you and I were watching, and uh, he is a, a long-time American commentator. He's comment, you know, he's done a lot of things. He's good, too. I like him. But it, I noticed that at first it sounded like they were doing this thing where a lot of feeds will... A lot of companies will do this, where there's the primary sort of international feed, mm-hmm. and whoever is hosting, you know, uh, Comcast or, or whatever provider, they'll have their own announcer that sort of sets the stage and then they'll turn it over to the international feed. So like mid race or what do you mean? Usually at what point, uh, before the race starts. Okay. So when we started up the formula E, uh, feed, Bob Varsha did his like little intro, his American style intro and then mm-hmm. said, we're going to go over to the international guys. And in my head, that meant that Bob was no longer part of the right. e- equation. That wasn't true at all. Because like halfway through the race, Bob Varsha says the first thing that he said in like 40 minutes. And <laughs> the international guys hear him and talk yeah. to him. And I was like, wait, what the heck? Like, I didn't really pick up on that, I guess. Yeah, it was it was very strange. And then he was quiet for another like 20 minutes and then they had, (laughs) 
Then they had like a two-minute conversation. So basically, you had the international guys, the main guys, going back and forth the whole race, talking the whole okay. race. Okay. And there, there yeah. were like two or three points where all of a sudden Bob just shows yeah, up. Yeah, I guess I didn't pick up on Bob coming in and leaving like that. <laughs> I That's just, hilarious. I thought it was did he funny. Did he provide anything? Yeah, yeah, he was good. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Uh, I just... I was shocked because, like I, I thought it was that traditional, we're doing our intro with our guy, then we're going to fully flip over to the international yeah. feed where right. where our guy does not communicate with the the international feed. Mm-hmm. Not the case. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. So, so yeah, the race started off. Uh, everybody made it through. One of the best things about this racing is when they all first start off, the the beehive the hornet noise of yeah. all these little yeah. motor not little they're <laughs> large of all these motors just ripping is actually really cool um so i i think i mentioned it the first race that we talked about but did you kind of key in on the i hesitate to use the word cheesy but the little introduction that they do before the race starts where they show like the race engineers in front of the controllers and everything. And they have like some countdown music and, um, a kind of like a dramatic, um, I watched the know, pit lane walk. I might've skipped to the race start. Yeah. It's just kind of funny. There's a, a dramatic little 30 second clip leading up to the start of the race. Right. Um, it's just kind of fun to watch. Um, but yeah, the the sounds and you would probably mention it last time, but like the way this hi- the tire sounds dam uh, excuse me dominate compared to the engine sound you would be expecting otherwise. Right. Yeah, you can hear the you can hear the tires locking up. You can hear <laughs> people bumping into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, all kinds of fun stuff. Which yeah, mm-hmm. we we did say the first time, but it's actually it's really unique and and really for a diehard fan of racing in general it's 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 a very unique yeah it's a very unique perspective i like it yeah um so yeah we won't necessarily go uh lap by lap or any we're definitely not going to go lap by lap because that would be ridiculous well there was that crash on the third lap so there was the crash on the third lap Um, Uh uh-huh the one guy it was a classic type of one guy tried to overtake the other guy and in my world it was not clean so in my world you have to get bare bare minimum you have to get your front wheel in line with uh the person you're trying to overtake basically before you turn in sometimes before the apex Mm -hmm. of the corner but Mm -hmm. you got to be up alongside them you know pretty good uh that being said, it's usually advantageous for the person being overtaken, even if the overtake is a little sketchy. It's usually advantageous to not crash, right? Right. So, so they end up breaking. So the one guy maybe wasn't in the best position for his pass. He was, I would say, his front wheel looked to be roughly halfway up his, you know, side by side to his opponent. You yeah. know, he probably had another two, three feet he needed to get up alongside. But the other guy just straight turned into him. Oh, uh, rough. So if the other guy was smart, yeah, maybe it sucks that that pass wasn't the cleanest pass. But letting yourself get past so that you can pass back later is a much right. better strategy than just turning in. So Because yeah. then 
you both lose. Were they both out at that point? Yes. I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, to be fair, if I had to guess, the guy that did the turning in probably didn't know that the guy was up on the inside of him. Yeah. I so definitely see that happening. Yep. Um, actually, and something I took note of when that crash happened, because I believe it, it happened kind of mid-pack, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, going back to the announcers for a second, their ability to watch the whole field. It's pretty good. I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what kind of, um, you know, feeds and, and information they have right in front of them, but it's kind of impressive that I'm watching the first couple of cars and that's all I can really focus on, but so are they, but they also then see the crash happen a couple cars back and are able to say who it was and kind of a rough idea of what happened. Um, just the impression that they kind of have, uh, you know, eyes on the whole field the whole time is pretty, pretty cool. They definitely got some really good professional announcers. The, mm-hmm. the guy that does most of it, I can't recall exactly where he's from, but I've mm-hmm. heard him in other places. So yeah. he might actually even be... No, that wouldn't make sense. But yeah, yeah, they. I agree. They got some quality guys. Yeah, and I mean, that's probably something that comes with years of experience of doing that, for sure. Yeah. Um, but... So how about the fact that they're down 20% in four laps? Energy. <laughs> I, how about they, the f- they, that popped up for the first time, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Makes sense, but... Still, it's a little caught me off guard. Um, how about the also, uh, the other fact that I didn't realize this, um, or maybe I did and I forgot. Teams do not know what energy level they have until it shows up on screen in the way that you and I see it. Really? Yeah, this came out maybe five laps from the end, and there's a reason for why they were talking about it. But yeah. The nobody, the team managers, engineers, whatever, nobody knows how much energy a given car has left until that number is put up on screen for all to see. That's really interesting. Yep. And the it's reason it's such an interesting display of, of the differences between the drivers, too, because the batteries are the same. I mean, there's differences in the cars, but um, you can just see who's using their car more efficiently, really. The the guy that won, uh, Felix Rosenquist, Quist, mm-hmm. Q-V-I-S-C, um, he we had, yeah, we did, exactly. <laughs> um, he, when, when he went to make the overtake uh, for the four laps from the end uh, mm-hmm. to, to complete what was eventually the race-winning overtake, he had 2% extra than the guy in front of him. Yeah, and that's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, comparatively speaking, when everybody's so close like that. um, They basically get to zero right before the line. I was was surprised by that. How, you know, uh, before the first pit, they were at like 4%. Yeah. And I was like, okay, they're pitting right now. They went around again. (laughs) I was like, whoa. Which is cool. I mean, it's exciting. You don't really know what's going to happen there. Yeah. now the thing is, I don't know when they're saying when they're saying that the car has zero energy left. Obviously, it's not zero. Um, a the pro- the car probably has a limp mode. It's not like it's just going to stop dead in its tracks. <laughs> um, the brakes clamp down and it just. 
<laughs> it just starts flashing red all over. You're done, you're done, you're done. Um, but yeah, they have like, um, and I'm curious what the minimum, it's called SOC, state of charge. So like any electric car um, only allows the battery to discharge to a certain percent. Let's say a typical number is like 40% or something like that. So there's still 40% left in the battery, and that's just for longevity. Now, less important in a racing car, so they probably let it go down way further. Um, but still not zero. Right. Um, but still, if the car hits that, it, it's you know, theoretical zero points going to probably go into some limp mode, and you're fucked anyway at that point. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like how on lap seven, uh, Lucas Degrassi won, mm-hmm. I think, last year's champion. Uh, ha- he's driving the Audi, and yep. they it just shit out on him. And that happened last race, too. Yeah, so I think, and they mentioned it there, um, the BMS, Mm -hmm. if you heard them, that's the battery management system, uh, basically handles communication between the battery and the high-voltage charger, high-voltage system, and the motor. It kind of is the brain um, behind managing the battery. So... There's a number of reasons why it could have thrown a fault code and caused the car to go into limp mode like that. Um, but just for the fun of conversation, um, my theory was hey, maybe Audi was trying to draw a little too much juice too quickly from the battery and the BMS tripped, basically acting mm. as a fuse. Right. Did you like how they were? His engineers were kind of yelling at him. You, <laughs> stop you, the car! You got to stop first, and then you can reset it. God, <laughs> right? They they wanted them to reset the car, and he wouldn't yeah. come. To, he wouldn't come to a full and complete stop. Right. He was trying to reset it while rolling. <laughs> oh man! Uh, yeah, that one, sucks for them though. Yeah, it does. Uh, one thing Isn't I he a pretty good driver too. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, you're fine. Um... What was that? Lucas? I mean, he was last year's champion, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would think he is. Um, one other thing I meant to say was uh, somebody missed qualifying or was excluded from qualifying because they missed their weigh-in for the car. Really? And that that sucks. Um, like, like they just weren't like, there in time or yeah. the car was too heavy? Uh, no, they weren't. They missed it. They actually missed it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of. Seems like a pretty silly mistake. It is. Uh, but it's also it's indicative of a young series and more more specifically team. a young team. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just there's so much going on. I mean, I have a very modest, extremely modest, uh, racing career, and I do everything myself, and I need like a two-page checklist mm-hmm, for everything mm-hmm. and it's still possible i've never missed like a tech inspection or anything but uh you know it's, you can it's see i can, some, I can I mean, see you don't know the full circumstances of no of the team and what got them to that point so it could be anything but i could see how that could happen yeah so around halfway through the race if everybody recalls they have to pit and not mm-hmm. even just pit for a new battery or anything. They totally switch cars. <laughs> and they can switch driver too, right? Or no? Oh, I don't know that. Does it have to be the I same don't know. driver? I'm not sure. 
That probably wouldn't make sense because they're they're not scoring the team. They're scoring the drivers. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, that. I'm looking at the drivers' championship. That would mean yeah. somehow that somebody else got their points. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Um, but the the notable thing about the pit lane was one, they had a crash that they needed to clean up right before it. So they went to a full course yellow, and everybody just basically is that pit. why that happened? Yes, that's. I why. didn't realize. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd... somebody spun. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, lap sixteen, a guy spun. Mm-hmm. So they went to full course yellow and mm-hmm. that's right around the time when people pit. So there, I don't know if you saw this though, but the, the notable thing about the pit lane or the, that I think I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Did you see <laughs> the mechanic almost get fucking run over? Almost got drilled. Like he would have gotten flipped up over that car and Dude, tossed. It was, I mean, it was super dangerous. Yeah. I don't so, know why that's the second i mean the last race somebody almost got drilled too in a different circumstance but in the pit (laughs) because the there's too much um like dust in the pit lane so the car didn't turn right right (laughs) it almost hit the guy this one the the whoever that was just (laughs) just decided to run out it was totally his fault yeah oh yeah he should not have been running like that yeah he ran across the entire pit lane at the worst time well almost the worst time yep right before the worst time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but dude i saw that happen and i, I like just audibly was just like oh shit yeah i thought he was done i thought so too for sure that was crazy <laughs> so yeah if anybody goes back and watches the the race uh you can mm-hmm. find the feed from the subreddit um, i forget which driver it was yeah i mean i didn't write down who who it was but yeah keep an eye out for when everybody mm-hmm. goes in on lap 18 when one of the guys leaving his pit i mean he almost just Oh man. Yeah. Um so with uh Degrassi, you know, having the BMS issue and everything and going in, um, he basically just quit, right? Because yeah. there's he had the fastest lap up until that point, I believe. But you don't get points anymore for the fastest lap. You used to get some points. But I guess they took that away. I'm not sure when. Maybe oh, it started this I season. They, I thought they still did that. No, that's why he didn't even bother getting back oh, out there and I finishing. I misunderstood that part. Okay. okay. As far as that's the way I You do I get points for qualifying saying. and all that, though. Like, if you I, get pole position, you get some points, right? Okay. All right. I'm not sure I'm about that. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Okay. Yeah, so I think he had the fastest lap, but then had that issue, which also kind of, I'm realizing now, speaks to my energy draw theory. Um. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and yeah. yeah. So the then he, then since his, he was down a couple laps, it wasn't even worth it for him to continue racing, which is kind of crappy. Yeah, and the 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 way the battery system works, it definitely. So the guy that won, uh, Rosenquist. I gotta figure out how to actually say it. <laughs> I was just gonna say, are you saying that right? <laughs> I don't think so. There's a, it's QV. How am I supposed to work with that? Um, <laughs> Rosen quit. Uh, yeah, I, I can't do it. Um, just he, ignore one of them. Yeah, Rosenquist, Rosenvist, Rosenquist, whatever. Um, he had two percent more energy than the guy ahead of him, uh, Sebastian Buemi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he ended up making the pass and all that. But the larger thing that I noticed there 
is unfortunately the battery system, and there's other forms of racing that do this, but uh, it really rewards conservative, you know, conservative racing. Yeah, it does. Which, which is kind of unfortunate. Bird was hanging out in second place for that reason, right? He was right. trying to save some energy, and I mean, strategies. It good. is, and it is. It isn't. Yeah, it is, and it isn't. It it is con- more conservative, and you get a little more. Um, you know, situations like that where somebody might hang back, but at the same time, it is fun to watch a team's strategy. But yep. yeah, it doesn't exactly lend itself to too much like bumping and grinding down the track. No, which is always fun. <laughs> Speaking of Sam Bird, who won both of the opening rounds, um, he was in sec- as Alex said, he was in second place up until the pit lane switch, or I'm sorry, up until the car switch, and. I don't know if you caught on. I, I don't think we ever found out exactly what happened, but basically it looked like... I thought it, he got overtaken before the lane, or before the switch. Uh, he, might, uh, he might have gotten overtaken a little bit, but when uh-huh. he got back out onto track in his second car... Oh, okay, yeah. One of the major disadvantages of the whole two-car system uh, is the fact that it looked like his second car, for whatever reason, just was not set up oh. correctly. Interesting. And he just was not, something was, it could have been something unrelated to mm-hmm. set up. Mm-hmm. Maybe the battery was faulty or something. Um, but he was struggling to put up, to put up the same lap times that he had been. And now, and now what was a fresh car? Right. Um, yeah, because so, before the pit, he was chilling in second place for a long time, but then just on some straightaway, he, for no apparent or no immediate reason, just fell back a position. Um, I forget who that would have, was. That Rosenquist that would have come from third to yes, get yes. into second. He just drove right around him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really an overtake. It was just, a, I mean, it was, but that's right. I do there was no that. effort there. He just drove around him. That's right. That's right. So, <laughs> so yeah, lots going on with the yeah. sort of the, the tech of these cars, right? A mm-hmm, lot can go mm-hmm. wrong. It's amazing. It's amazing. You wouldn't think that a, a battery and an electric motor would be somehow more complicated than what is essentially contained explosions that are a traditional engine. Somehow, I think, I think traditional is the word. It's it's a hundred oh, yeah. hundred years of figuring doing it out, it, yeah, figuring it out so much compared to um, these new advancing technologies. And actually, that's a good um, that's a good segue <laughs> to. Uh, did you see the fifth generation, not fifth generation, the fifth season, second generation car that they it's just showed today? so good looking. Dude, it looks so badass. So they released, <laughs> they released the, they've been racing the same, basically the same car for the past few seasons since, since the inception yep. of the series. Mm-hmm. And yeah, today they released the, uh, the updated car that they're going to use next year. Yep. It, it's sexy. Quite a bit different. Yes. So the current car um, is very open wheel, traditional looking. Whereas looks, this looks new a lot one, like a Formula one, one car. Yeah, it does. Um, this new one is not fully open wheel. Like it has fenders, especially over the back. The back's not open wheel, and the front, the wheels are, the suspension arms are exposed. You know, like a conventional Formula One car, or the current Formula E, but then it has. Fenders over the wheels. Um, 
the which size... I know a lot of people are upset about that, but I couldn't give two shits. The thing looks so cool. It looks amazing. Yeah. And Plus, the... in a race where you're going after efficiency and battery technology and the future, uh, how many cars do you see out on the road with exposed wheels? Yep. It's not, it's not something you would normally and do. And I mean, they're, they're open as far as, you know. They're, it's like they have a hat on. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, and I think their goal was to really make these cars look different from, you know, they they need a signature. Definitely. They're stylized for sure. Right. And they right. and they did a good job, in my opinion. I think they did a fantastic job. The back, yeah. the rear diffuser. Oh, oh my goodness. goodness. That is aggressive. <laughs> it's massive. It's The only thing that scares me there is like, not scares me, that's not the right word. Um, the only thing I could see being a concern to these teams is getting rear-ended. That's a yeah. giant piece of carbon fiber just kind of out there. And if you lose that, you're done. At least hurting, yeah. Um, they do sport the new Halo that, yep. uh, if anybody follows F1, basically the open cockpit that you imagine when you see if or imagine an F1 car if that car were to f- flip over, traditionally there's this pillar, I suppose, behind the driver's head that creates mm-hmm. contact points such that the driver's helmet theoretically can't ever touch the ground. But in Formula One recently, for a lot of different reasons, unfortunately, um, one of them fatal, uh, I believe Jules Bianchi was his name, uh, that wasn't enough. Just this sort of pillar behind the head that, should you flip over, keeps you from touching the ground. Mm-hmm. So now there's this, uh, they call it a halo, but it's a three-pointed... It's almost like a windshield frame, but that doesn't have the windows in it. Yeah, yep. I mean, it's got a bar going down the middle, but you know, yeah, it's, it's got, got, a, it's got a, a beam going around your head. as if a windshield frame and then a center post down the middle, but obviously no windows, so... right. Um, but it's very this, controversial in the F1 world. Yeah. This though is integrated into the design in a very attractive way. In my opinion, I think it looks really cool. I like it a lot. Yeah. And if it keeps people alive, thumbs up. Right. Like who can really be that mad about that? You can't be selfish assholes. I, yeah. I think, um, it's got a led ring in Ooh the halo so they, i don't think they said what it's going to be used for some people were theorizing that maybe a battery charge level will be displayed with leds on the halo that would be <laughs> sounds super cool <laughs> i'm geeking out on that for sure um and it'll be cool to see how uh, all the different they've only shown one livery right it'll be cool to see how all the teams deck these out and yep. make them look cool so yeah. So back to the final moments of the race, I suppose, to finish that up. Um, mm-hmm. Felix, right? Is it, did I have that right? Did I already screw that up? The winner? Uh, uh, yeah, so Felix was sitting in second behind... Uh, wait a second. Was it Sandbird? No. Sandbird's in third. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I was just looking. My apologies. I was just looking at the drivers' championship list. Um, so Sebastian Wemmy was leading basically from the pit, uh, the the car change on, 
and then four laps from the end, uh, Felix had a bit more energy, was sitting behind, you know, being conservative, just following. So he went for a what I would consider a textbook pass. It was it was perfect, um, no controversy, nothing, and uh, was basically never challenged from that moment. He didn't absolutely clear off, but he was a good 10, 12, 15 mm-hmm. car lengths ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, so good, good for Felix, and obviously Sebastian getting uh, second, and and good that he actually had a pass for the for the lead. Right, it's. It's not too fun when, when nobody does anything. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, it was a fun race to watch, for sure. A couple of things I noticed. Um, one, their overlay is amazing. The Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the, the like graphics. Like seeing are... the, yeah, the throttle inputs and the brakes and the regen. And yep, I think they do a great stuff. job on that. Mm-hmm. I guess that's new. Or, not new, but... Um, they just rebranded I think for this season like the logos and the telemetry that you're seeing there that overlay um, they just kind of like revamped the image of the series I guess and that was part of it is redoing that I think they'd had something similar but they kind of re redesigned it something else I noticed on the finish line as cars were crossing uh, hearkening back to one of our previous podcasts uh, one of the cars is sponsored by Ethereum. Really? Yeah. One of the, so Ethereum is a cryptocurrency, one of the more popular ones. And yeah, a car was crossing the finish line, and I thought I saw Ethereum down the side, so I actually rewound it. And sure enough. That's not the main sponsor, right? No. Like, that's not the race team. No. Obviously. No. But it's, um, a, it's, a, it's a, as far as logos on a car go, it's a big prominent. one. It's a big one. That's pretty interesting. It's right down the side pod. <laughs> um, and then the other thing, I, the last thing I, I guess I'll, I'll put that out there is uh, I find it really strange that this series talks to the drivers. So the announcers talk to the winning driver uh, while he's still on his cooldown lap. Did you notice that? I didn't notice that, no. So, uh, actually, maybe it was Sebastian they were talking. No, 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 it was, it was Felix because he was doing donuts and super pumped. Yeah, <laughs> so the announcers, while Felix is doing donuts celebrating his win, they mm-hmm. have radio contact with him, and he says, hey, this is the announcers up in the box. You know, how do you feel? Yada, yada, yada. And I was like, I, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't really like that. Hmm. Because what you like about it? I guess if I were the driver, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like that. I guess is really yeah. where I'm coming from. Right, right. You don't want to be having just crossed the finish yeah. line. And... Not only, I guess, the other major thing as a fan too. Mm-hmm. This is not racing specific, but how many times has any sports person been interviewed? They get asked the same question. And they give the same answer, right? So oh, we're stupid. just working really hard and, you know, really pushing and yeah, whatever. So that's <laughs> the conversation that they're having. Meanwhile, he's trying to do donuts and burnouts. <laughs> Let him do the donuts and the burnouts. And that's all, you know, you can ask him the same bullshit questions you know you're going to ask him in 10 Again, minutes. Again, later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
so, just really yeah. thought that if I came in first that I'd win the race, so I tried to <laughs> pass the other cars and come in first. Well, you know, they pay me to be out here, and so, you know, there was a gap, and I said, fuck it. I'll go for it. <laughs> I, actually, I wish they would say fuck it. <laughs> oh, actually, real quick, last thing. Um, <laughs> there was another collision. I forget which lap and who it was. Oh, I know, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the guy who got, you know, hit by the, the other driver and ultimately overtaken because of it and lost a couple spots, uh, just straight up flicked him off. <laughs> and, you know, that was shown and everything. And the announcers were hilarious. He was like something about, he was like, apolog- one of them was apologizing and the other guy was um, the European guy. I don't remember his name, but he was, um, you know, do we have to apologize for for offensive remarks like that or something like that and the the guy who was apologizing was like oh i don't know just safe to be or you know rather safe than sorry he apologized um, later because uh felix said fuck on his radio <laughs> on his radio as they were listening and so they had to apologize again well they kept calling the um the middle finger gesture the number one fan gesture <laughs> is what they were referring to <laughs> i thought that was funny Overall, though, definitely enjoyed yeah, it. looking forward to the next race. And the races are not crazy long. They're only about... No, it's pretty easy to watch if you're yeah, not used to watching motorsport. The Formula One races, I'm a diehard race fan through and through, and I, I can't even watch. Formula, Formula is rough. Overall. Yeah. Okay, well, I think... Uh, moving I think on. That's good on Formula E. Definitely. Uh, the next race, actually, I suppose, the last thing it's, we should uh, say... February 3rd. Yep, a couple days. So, and they are in Santiago. And Santiago. I love this too. They don't call them Grand Prix, they call them E Prix. <laughs> thought that was cute. That's pretty nice. So, float tanks. Oh, yeah. Switching gears. Hard transition. Um, mm-hmm. I guess just right off the bat, if you have trepidations about doing it, we did. Mm-hmm. Um, I would consider myself sometimes a anxious person and get in my own head. And I was kind of nervous from that sort of perspective of like, what the hell am I going to do for 90 minutes? Like mm-hmm. be alone with my thoughts. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, throw all that away and just mm-hmm. go do it. Yeah. Cause it was not at all like that in that way. No, I had the same kind of reservations going into it. I was excited for that, but also nervous for that at the same time. Right. Um, and it took a while for the nerves to calm down once I got going, but definitely, yeah, don't let that stop you. So why don't you uh, sort of talk through, you know, you show up, you shower, all that kind of thing. Yeah. They, um, so I showed up. That, that was um, my chair. Sorry. I didn't just fart. That was my chair. <laughs> I don't know if okay. it came through on the mic, but. <laughs> I didn't hear it, but. <laughs> If you want to fart, you can fart. Um, Yeah, so the guy asked me, I mean, he kind of knew because um, I had to sign the waiver for the first time or whatever, so he knew it was my first time. So he kind of just walked me through it. Um, You know, they bring you back into, you have your own room, at least this was my experience at the place I went to. Um, So he brings me back there, and he kind of walks me through the whole process. Um, Just 
you know, you, you shower first just so that if you're gross, hopefully you're less glo- uh, gross going into this thing. Um, we don't want to bring anything in with you. So you shower, you put in earplugs um, so that you can lay there without water going into your ears. Very critical. Uh, yeah, Make makes sure sense. you put the earplugs in while you're still dry. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, if you shower yeah. first and then you try to put the earplugs in, you know, the they're not wetness, gonna... yeah, they're not going to stick. Yeah, he did mention that. They're pretty heavy-duty earplugs, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, they're kind of like he had me roll it into a ball, and when they're in a ball shape, they're like, I don't know, size of, what would be that size? Like a, a, a fireball Gum- candy. I was just going to say a gumball or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so then he just kind of showed me the thing, and he says, you know, okay, this thing lifts up, and the water's the water is, you know, at body temperature, which is so that you don't, feel it as little you know you feel it as little as possible um so let's see he they have the option of this um maybe i should back up and just explain the whole what the whole thing is maybe might not even really know yeah that's probably fair what floating is so basically it's a float tank or a sensory deprivation tank right that's the proper term those are that's the proper term for it and um, kind of the goal of this thing is to go in here and remove all of the sensory inputs possible, really. Um, sound, sight. Yeah, sound, sight, and Touch. feeling, really, yep. yeah. Um, and so the way that that's accomplished with these is a bed of water that's just loaded with salt. So that, I think I think it's a thousand pounds of salt and ten yeah. inches of water. Yep. And um, yeah, so by putting this this salt in there, you basically float on top of the water, and then, like I just mentioned, the water is at body temperature, so that you know you don't feel warmth or cold. It's just Neutral. once you're still yeah, once you're still enough, you feel nothing. So that's the thing is you sit, you lay in here, and you find your position, and you just try to stay as still and calm as possible. And, um, you know, at least my goal going into it was to hopefully experience the meditative aspects of it. Um, you could go in there and they have the option of having lights or music. So if you don't want to necessarily have the full sensory deprivation experience, you could do it that way too. And just kind of use it as a ultra relaxation, um, you know, muscle relaxation and all that. Totally great for that too, but going full bore, you get that plus the the meditative aspect I found. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the idea behind it. Um, and it's, yeah, it's very relaxing. And so when he brought me back there and showed me the whole thing, explained it, whatever, I asked him kind of what, he recommended as far as um, like body position. How do you, what do you do just to get comfortable? He said sometimes he puts his hands behind his head. Sometimes people Ooh, will put them. Yeah, I tried that. And I don't know. I've fallen asleep like that before and the blood circulation in my arms got weird. So I was kind of worried about that. So I figured if I just had him at my side, it would be, it would be better. Um, Plus the hands touching the back of the head. I didn't want uh, that, that to ruin it. That's what I was going to say, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so 
he said some people will also like cross their fingers and put them on their stomach, but I feel like you're, he said that's, and I agree, you're probably going to lose some of the, um, or there's going to be too much feeling, right? <laughs> too much right. physical feeling if you do any, that. So any, any part of your body that's touching another part of your body, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to break the sensation of losing. Sensor deprivation. Losing, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, so I ended up with um, the way my thing was. Uh, it was 60 minutes. He asked me if since it was my first time or whatever, even if it wasn't, if I wanted him to play, he could turn on music through the through the tank um, for the first and last five minutes just to kind of give me a reference, um, just a reference of time, which I agreed to, which ultimately ended up being a good thing. Um, yep, so went in there. Took me probably, I don't know, I don't really know how long it took me to figure out a comfortable position, probably 10 minutes. Um and then the rest of the time, I did no lights, no music, nothing. Just flew by. I was nervous about, like you said, the long period of time. Mine was an hour. It flew by. I did 90 minutes, and only once did I have a, a thought of like, boy, I've been in here a while, I think. <laughs> I think. And yeah. that was the moment that the music came on. So. Yeah. It yeah, must have, it really it felt. It felt like at most the ninety minutes. I would say felt like thirty at most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, imagine just you have no reference. There's nothing. You have no reference. You really don't. Um, and I guess you know, I could see as you do this more, if you keep practicing it, you're gonna maybe you have some sort of reference, but at the same time, you're gonna get better at the meditative aspect of it. So time will go away in that sense too um so that that was definitely interesting um yeah so how was your your experience just the overall setup and process and everything yeah so i showed up uh told her it was my first time in hindsight i am going to be a much quieter person the next time Mm -hmm. i go yes that's worth noting i am i'm just sort of a i have a booming voice as if you're listening you know that by now um well maybe maybe it doesn't come i project a lot and it's something i try to work on but so i came in and i was a little loud and i didn't really think about it but once i was in the tank i was like oh fuck i've told if anybody was floating while i got here i totally fucked them up right which isn't cool for two reasons one you shouldn't do that uh you know you should try to be quiet when you're showing up to this place but two maybe their soundproofing could be a little better right that was my thought too yep um, actually, before I go any further, was yours the pod or the room style? Mine was the pod. So, and what that looks like is um, this giant white jelly bean that sits on the floor <laughs> that opens up like a clamshell, and obviously the water is in the bottom, and then you just close the clamshell on top. See, there's, I mean, there's a fair amount of room in there. It's not like you're, yeah, we're submerged. we're tall guys, so yeah, we're and you know, when you feet. say tank, before I knew anything about these, I always imagined like. And I figured this wasn't the case, but imagine somebody like literally floating in fully underwater with like a breathing tube or something was what was in my head when I heard sensory deprivation tank. I was like, that's crazy. What what could that be? So it's not like that in case you were like me and and had those types of thoughts. So my style was the imagine a shallow but very a lot of surface area 
bathtub uh, mm-hmm. with walls on all four sides, I guess, but with that one side sort of a half a half wall from a not a horizontal from a you know where you walk in and out of. Um, mm-hmm. So it had as much walls around it as you could get. Right. Um, and obviously a ceiling and everything. So it was an enclosed space, but between me and the ceiling was still, I mean, I could have stood up in there. I, I did stand up in there, no problem. So it was, oh, a, okay. it was at least seven feet ceiling. Right. So this is built into the room, whereas yes. mine is theoretically portable. Yes, correct. It's really not. I mean, you set it up and it's got a giant filter behind it and all that, but it's not built into the structure. Right. So, yeah, I showed up, uh, told her it was my first time, and she's like, all right, cool. And very similar, showed uh, when the time came, showed me, you know, just said, you know, take a shower, um, earplugs, all that. She told me, do that dry. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, very similar to you. I I got in and um, we talked a little bit. One of the first things that will probably happen, the sensation of the salt water when you Mm -hmm. first get in is comical. It's weird. It's, it's very strange. Yeah. That moment, like I kind of like let my weight go and I was expecting to just hit the bottom of this tank, but instead I floated on top of the water. Yeah. I started laughing. I started laughing as well right away. (laughs) Um, so yeah, it got in and, um, I did the same, you know, tried to find a comfortable position and, um, I went full, full dark, full, actually this place didn't even really have the option for lights. Um, okay. Yeah, the um, light was kind of just built into the tank. It was like a little LED at the end. That oh, you could change, okay. You could change yeah. the color on and stuff okay. like that if you really wanted some light. But This one had a light, but it was only for the indication that your time was up. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so you couldn't control it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I got in and laid back and took a minute. And um, I actually... For a while, I tried to go. They give you this little, uh, they call it a halo. It's like mm-hmm. basically a tiny floating pillow kind of thing that supports your head. And I used, I didn't use it for the first little while, but eventually I was getting this sensation in my neck that I couldn't tell. If, I couldn't tell since, since you're not under stress, your body's not under any, or it's under the least amount of gravitational stress it's ever been under, right? Right. Yeah, it's uh, totally a different position and feeling than you've, yeah. if you've never done it before, you've never experienced. Yeah, it's impossible to describe in, in a lot of ways. Um, so I couldn't tell if my neck was trying to tell me, hey, this position is or is not comfortable, which I know might sound crazy, but I really couldn't tell if it was just my no, neck. I had a very similar Yeah, you can't feeling. really... You can't really tell if it's just the fact that you've never felt this way before or whatever. So I ended up grabbing the pillow it's, and pillows don't don't imagine a bed pillow. It's like a really it's like a thin, little a little ring of foam much. that you put behind your head. Yep. And I ended up using that, and and I stuck with that, and I'll try again without it later. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was good. And my arms ended up um, actually. I tried many different positions with my arms because for whatever reason, mine did not seem to want to do anything but palms down and at my hips. Which did mean my like with a bend in your elbow, with a bend in my elbow. Hmm. I eventually, towards the end, forced myself. I mean, is there anything wrong with that? Well, I ended up thinking not, and here's why. 
my fingers were touching my hips underneath the water. Uh, okay. So I didn't quite break the uh, sensory deprivation. Right. But if your hands had been like laced and over your stomach or something like that, that would have, mm -hmm. that would have definitely sucked. Right. Um, but I think what I'm going to try next time is palms up and away. I just, yeah, that's what I, I did. And I, I don't think I gave that enough mm -hmm. time because my arms were floating weirdly. I felt like, yeah, it wasn't instantly obvious that that was going to be the way to go. Okay. My, my way to go. It took me, you know, a couple of different tries, different positions. Uh, so let's see. Yeah, I get in, um, and I, it was all around positive. Everybody's going to get a different experience out of it. Mm -hmm. um, some of the things that were really uh, a novelty, not really beneficial from a net meditative or health perspective, but both of us agreed that um, once you first get going, if you had told me that my body had been rotating since I got in and sort of yes. mentally let go, I yep. would have totally believed you. The mm -hmm. sensation of just sort of slowly rotating. It's really uh, me, bizarre. My feet going left. Uh, yes, my was going left too. <laughs> Is there some, bio, can somebody let us know if there's like a biological reason, like with the little balancing thing in your ears that yeah. would cause that or something? Or like the fact that we're in the Northern Hemisphere? <laughs> I don't know. So like, you could have told me there? that you could have told me that I was rotating, and obviously I wasn't because the the way the tank is, you you don't touch any of the sides, or you, yes. it's, it's perfectly reasonable not even for us tall guys to not touch any of the sides. But if you were to start rotating, they're, they're rectangular shapes, so you you're right, you'd hit, hit the side. Yeah. So you're definitely not rotating, but boy, does it feel like you are. It really felt like it for me too, and it didn't take long for that feeling to happen. No, that happened pretty quickly. The other yeah. feeling that happened right away was, um, and, and what it must be is just every sense, since you don't have inputs, everything's exaggerated. You know how stuff I in I think so. Yeah, stuff in your mouth or feels bigger than it really is. Mm -hmm. So when you first get in, you're creating undulations in the water, right? Like it's. Uh, you're just making waves. Yeah, you're getting settled and it's moving around and makes sense. After thinking about it, what I think must have happened was those very, very small residual waves, like, and I'm talking mm -hmm. minutes later, um, basically make you feel like you're a cork, a bobbing, a bottle with a cork just bobbing up and down in the ocean. Yeah, I did think about that, but the only reason... I thought otherwise um, it was so rhythmic. It was. And maybe maybe those, maybe those waves could be rhythmic too, but I really felt like a full body, like pulsing sensation up, down, uh, separate from the spinning, sometimes at the same time. Yes. Um, it was just really wild. And not like a, oh, I'm going to get a seasick kind of feeling. No, it, it just felt amazing, really. It was, it was yeah, it was really something. Mm -hmm. um, um, on the other um, sticking with the physical sensations quick something that I experienced was since my I didn't have my hands um, touching and they were just floating kind of palms up in my sides at one point once I finally figured out how to be as still as I could um, I just started kind of moving my hands in a 
not quite a snow angel form, but that type of motion, you know, moving them out to the sides about, I don't know, 45 degrees from my torso, you know, obviously hanging downwards, 45 degrees out and then back in. And I'm talking like as slow as my brain would send the signal to my arms is as slow as I was going because I didn't want to cause any, you know, disturbances in the water, which I don't think that was, um, or at least nothing perceivable. But the crazy part about that was um, the feeling in my arm was so removed that if you told me that I wasn't moving my arms, I would have believed you because I, my brain was sending the signals and I knew I was telling my arms to do that, but I couldn't feel it. So, or at least the way I was experiencing it and feeling it was not normal. So if you were like, no, your arms are actually just sitting there. I'd be like, oh shit. Okay. Your feedback mechanism is all out of whack. It's all turned upside down. Which is really, it's a good experience because it's not normal and it's good to experience not normal. One of the other big physical ones for me, um, you know, we, a lot of us stare at computers way too much. And the fact that your eyes are open um, and there's nothing for them to do because it's pitch black. It's fully dark. Yes. Um, was really, really nice. One of, uh, yeah, just my eyes were completely relaxed and it mm-hmm. felt, it felt great. Did you notice how loud your heartbeat is? <laughs> like it was trying to fight its way out of my chest. Yeah. It was like, Whoa, why? <laughs> I can't hear I think it that a lot loud of that, normally. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that your ears are underwater and your heart is vibrating. And through, they're plugged. Right, and they're plugged. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's trying to fight its way out. Mm-hmm. Um, I had another physical sensation where um, the best way I can describe this is, um, so, again, I was trying to be as perfectly still as I could, um, which I'm kind of a fidgety person, so that's only so good. But I think I did a pretty good job. Um, And um, just taking deep breaths, and so my arms were at my side again, not moving. Taking as deep breaths as I could, the best way I can describe it is the feeling you get in your chest when you take a deep breath. You know, your your diaphragm expands and in your torso you can kind of tell it's expanding, but really it felt like my entire body was expanding. So like I could feel like my shoulders moving out. I could feel like what almost felt like my hips moving out even, like my legs growing. Like it felt like my body was expanding in every direction which was just a really, and maybe it, it is actually doing that all the time when you're taking deep breaths, but you just can't tell because you're grounded. Um, but when you're not and your body's able to move in basically every single direction, um, with no restriction, I could, I felt like I was able to tell and experience that, which was super cool. didn't I didn't uh, I definitely did some breathing I didn't necessarily notice or I did a lot of breathing exercises mostly to try and calm down just from a mental perspective Um, Mm -hmm. but I I didn't notice that I'll keep an I'll keep a lookout yeah I think um, I think really if you can get your uh, your hand position down so that you're really not touching anything um, it would help with that 
Yeah, um, that is probably the first thing I'm going to work on. Is, is mm-hmm. yeah. I also I don't know if the halo would make an effect. Probably not on that, but just an overall sensation. I didn't use it. Um, I did definitely feel the neck strain. Yep, for sure. But I guess I just tried to fight through it. Um, so I'm hoping that that improves next time. Yeah, and I, I think or at least a, over time from a just a principal perspective i i would ultimately prefer not to i would think i would prefer not to use the halo per, mm-hmm. purely because it's you're trying to fully disassociate from right you know i mean were you able to not think about it eventually yeah absolutely i was okay. um i don't know i guess more experimentation is needed really definitely definitely um But I think the purest way to do it would be no, no halo. Yeah, for sure. But you also got to be comfortable. So yeah. Um, um, the other, and then you, you had some interesting um, kind of meditation practices that you did in there, right? Yeah, I was trying two major things. Um, one of them I learned from you actually uh, that was ultimately flawed. So I'm excited to try it again. <laughs> Um, I was doing. The, I was just trying to do something. Um, I'm not the best meditator, um, so I was just counting back from a hundred and trying to. Ultimately, what I was trying to do was get to zero because I thought that was sort of what you're supposed to do, I guess. And so I would sometimes only make it to like 88 before. <laughs> I would make it to like 88 before a, some thought just came rushed, some meditative sort of, like I'd get lost. Like I would make yeah. it to 88 and I would be lost in the fact And then that, you would be like, oh shit, I left my lights on. Yeah. <laughs> Something oh like shit, my, is my car unlocked or whatever? Um, but I was, but the point is though, is that uh, I was in those moments completely immersed, I think. Like mm-hmm. I was not aware. I was completely in my own head. Yeah, right. Um, Which is crazy. You never, you don't have that. No. Normally. I mean, if you're a seasoned meditator, yes, you can reach that. But this is a, another way to do that. and It's great. But ultimately what I will have to do next time is I was getting frustrated that I could not get past. I mean, I did make it to zero once. But uh, turns out what I really should be doing is allowing, don't fight it at all. Allow those thoughts to come and go. And when you snap back out and you realize you only made it to 88, just start over. And if you make Mm -hmm. it to, if you only make it to 91 and you Mm -hmm. have another moment, those moments are what you're after. So I I was approaching it negatively, negatively from that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the goal really, or the way to approach it is, just recognizing it for what it is. It right. is a thought. It is about that. Here it comes, and there it goes. And now, um, you know, either start over or pick up where you left off or whatever, but just recognize it for what it is. And, um, yeah, I think what I told you is to think of it as a bicep curl for your brain every time that happens. Right. Um, which I think is a, is a nice way to think about it. The other major thing that I was doing... Um was visualizing going around uh, the racetrack that's local yeah, that, to me. Yeah, that's cool. That was a lot of fun. 
<laughs> similar in the sense that it's it's like counting backwards um because so i was like i was trying to visualize and mentally speak to myself okay shift up shift down on the gas fourth gear you know <laughs> hit the brakes that kind of were stuff were you audibly speaking here or no, just in no, your own elemental, head okay elemental. elemental okay um but what similar to the counting down thing what was happening was i would make it to like corner six and then did i leave my lights on would come like some other (laughs) thought would enter Mm -hmm. so i'm not sure the jury's out on that i i think i think ultimately at least in that one experience um counting backwards and visualizing myself going around the track ultimately were basically the same thing i would i would agree in that I was giving my mind something to do and then basically opening the door for meditative thoughts to make their way in. Right. You're, I mean, that's the whole goal, right? Is, is the, um, the typical example for somebody or not even just somebody starting out with meditation, but most, most people, I guess, um, you know, they say focus on your breath. Right. It's just, it's something, a single thing for your breath, uh, your mind to focus on. And then those thoughts are going to come in. So, you know, whereas I was focusing on my breath, you were focusing around or going around this racetrack. It's the same thing. And then as those thoughts come in, you know, those are, those are the byproduct of doing that. So you recognize them and then they let them go and you come back to it. So I'm excited to try that stuff again because yeah. that was working like my even though in the moment at that time I was not understanding that what I was actually doing was working and I was actually getting frustrated that it couldn't count the idea and the, the meditative state, I, I, I got my foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that ultimately was kind of my goal. Cause I've been trying to make meditation at least a somewhat of a habit. Um, so I kind of felt like if, and I've been trying for that for a couple of years and it's never really stuck. I've never been able to be successful if there is such a thing as being successful at that, um, at least in the habit sense, I guess there is. But um, So I figured if I just jumped into something a little more extreme with two feet, then maybe it would kind of kickstart that. Um, so that was, that was one of my goals. Do you feel like you, I don't know if you, did you work on any specific exercises or did you just try to? Um, no, I didn't do anything quite as, quite as interesting as you it was more of just focusing on the breath and the breathing and being comfortable and um i would say the most trance state i entered was the thing with my arms i'll be honest that was the the most bizarre and um unique actually probably the most focused i got because i was you know just like you were focused on the racetrack i was focused on that weird feeling of my arms and nothing else. And actually I think that was my longest streak of not of unbroken concentration was, uh, that whole arm experience. I have no idea how long it lasted or how many times I did it felt like forever and not at the same time. <laughs> the time, that's just, the time effects in the tank are super weird. Yeah. Um, how about when you got out? How'd you feel? Mm, amazing amazing like 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 a mad like a blissful 
I don't know, just this really, really nice content feeling. It was, yeah, I felt just so peaceful and mm-hmm. like, like on most days you're driving in the fast lane, wondering why the fuck everybody's going so slow. <laughs> And then you left the tank and you're wondering why everybody's going so fast. Yeah. Like, oh, wait, this is actually where I should be is over here. And also just from like a a muscle perspective, um, one of the the final physical sensation I noticed, and I only noticed it right towards the end. um, Again, you're not under load in a way that you've ever been. So even in that 90 minutes, I'm not sure you were able, you only did 60. I shouldn't say you only, you were only able to do 60. Mm -hmm. Um, It uh, specifically my calf muscles just were loose in a way that you couldn't get any way else. And I couldn't, I can't, I'm not going to try to describe exactly what it felt like, but in the last, what ended up being the last five minutes, I, I actually noticed that, my legs and tendons and whatnot in my legs just were, I guess, completely relaxed, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What it was. I would say my legs were definitely the first thing to, to have like a, you know, ultra relaxed feeling, I guess. Maybe I didn't experience it quite to the extent you did because it wasn't as long and it, you know, for the first time I spent probably a quarter of it just getting comfortable. Right. Um, so next time when I go in, I'll be more calm to start because I'll be honest, I was a little amped up just at the ridiculousness of what I felt like I was doing. So it took a while to bring my heart rate down (laughs) and and then on top of trying to get comfortable for the first time. So now second time and, and moving forward from there, I'll have a better idea of what to expect. So I think get more out of it. Definitely. Mm -hmm. All right. I think that's uh, I think that's all I have on on float tanks at the moment, having only one experience so far. Yeah, but it's I I, I guess it's amazing just how like what did we just talk for forty minutes on that? Mm-hmm. Um, just from one experience, it's mm-hmm. it's not cheap. Unfortunately, it's it's cheaper than like if you get massages or something. It's it's mm-hmm. on par, even a little bit cheaper than that. But I paid uh, $65 for 90 mm-hmm. minutes. And yeah, I don't know. If you're the type of person who doesn't really you know, treat themselves and stuff like that too often, if you're going to pick something, I mean, damn. I'm going back. Let's put it that way. I'm going back. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a pretty healthy thing to treat yourself to, put it that way. Okay, yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's it. I don't have too much more. Yeah, I think that's a, a good place to leave it for now. We can always come back uh, come back to it as we become more experienced because it sounds like we're both going to keep it going. I plan to. I plan to as well, for sure. It definitely had a lasting impression on me. Yeah. So I said this last time. Uh, we're slacking a little bit. We couldn't decide. So at the moment, uh, wanderingberrycenter at gmail dot com is where you can reach us with anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we will have a proper setup and all that soon. Uh, just been 
life and all that, right? Yeah, and trying to do it right, take our time. Yes. We don't want to rush some inferior website or you know anything like that. So, so yeah, wanderingberrycenter at gmail dot com. We got Twitter, we got Insta, mm-hmm. no Facebook. Fuck that. <laughs> um, I'm gonna probably regret that later. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks everybody. See you next time. Yep.